ask the Lord to bless us this day. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you have given to us, Lord, that we may come before you. We may enter your presence, O oh God, assembling ourselves together as the manner of summons. And Lord, we ask that you would look down upon us in this place and that you would give us grace in your sight, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon us, minister unto us. And God, I pray that you would quicken your word. Quicken it in us, O Lord, and quicken it in our hearing. Amen. Bless us, O God. Lord, that we may be able not, Lord, not just to receive, amen, the engrafted word, O Lord, but God, that we, O Lord, can walk in it, that we may abound and increase, O God, in it, Lord, in faith, in love, O God. And I pray that you would bind us together, Lord, that we can be one body, that we can be of one spirit, of one mind, and one accord together, that we can have unity and harmony with you and with one another, O God. So continue to do work, O Lord, and bless the offerings, Lord, that we're going to receive, Lord, in this place, the tithe and the offerings. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you, God, for, amen, your blessings, your benefits. We ask you, Lord, to return, O God, to those who give a willful heart, O Lord. Bless them, Lord, for their obedience and their faith. Amen, Lord, and bless us, God, as we open up your word today. Minister unto us, O God. Amen, Lord. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord. Let it be done. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So the offering plates up here, if you want to uh, go ahead and bring your offering up, and then uh, the rest of the classes are dismissed to your respective classrooms, uh, and we'll start with ours. Is it comfortable in here? Okay, just want to make sure. Good to see everybody here. Hallelujah, glad you made it. Those that have not uh, gotten the announcement, of course, they were posted on Facebook and I think several were texted. <coughs> uh, those that, that, haven't, that haven't gotten the message will probably be wandering in here about 10.30, I don't know, 11 o'clock, but praise God, they'll get, they'll get the crumbs, I guess. But I, I love God's word, I tell you what, I'm just, I just can't seem to uh, leave it alone, and even <clears throat> the insight, the understanding that we receive, from it, even in certain things <clears throat> that we have been studying and trying to obviously glean everything out of it that we need to glean and to let God speak to us and minister to us, give us knowledge, give us wisdom. I want you to turn with me this morning. I want to continue. I want to follow up on some things that I've been speaking up about the past couple of weeks. So Exodus chapter 27 this morning, if you want to go there, and I'll give you amen, a few 
moments of time to get there. I know I may have covered <clears throat> some things, but I just want to, there's so many facets, facets of God's Word and certain things in God's Word. And Amen. Uh, I'm going to be speaking about the brazen altar again this morning. The brazen altar. So that we can, amen, just give ourselves some more insight concerning it. We can understand everything about it. How many of you have ever really taken the time to study uh, the tabernacle uh, of Moses? How many have ever really taken the time to study it? Approach it. And begin with everything about it. Obviously, as I stated a couple weeks ago, it was a process. The whole reason that the Lord instructed Moses to, amen, to build the tabernacle and everything that was involved as far as the service was it was a way, a method of approach to him. And, and of course, all the, the other uh, commandments given to the manner of approach and what the priest had to do in approaching him. Of course, we covered that, uh, you know, in not to really a, 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 a deep extent, but um, to give us an understanding of what it all means. And, and of course, always, always remember this. As I said earlier, it was a process, a process to approach God. So you had to follow, you had to follow that pattern. You had to follow the order. <clears throat> but in that process, it was also a way of that we can progress. And of course, we, we hear scripture that talks about from faith to faith and all this. So this is all employed in that. This is what leads us to that place of being able to have that fellowship of God. It's important. But in uh, Exodus 27 here, <clears throat> you, there's, a, there's, there's some reading here where he starts out in verse number one. He says, Thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood, five cubits, long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square and the height thereof shall be three cubits. And thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof. His horns shall be of the same and thou shalt overlay it with brass. And thou shalt make his pans to receive his ashes. You notice something about this. What's one of the things that you're noticing about this? in his explanation of the altar. The reference of that is to the male gender. <laughs> There's a beautiful thought behind it. I'm not going to share it this morning. But even as far as the office of the ministry, the priesthood, everything that was done, every time you read certain accounts of this, the, the reference is of the male gender. Ministry. Ministry. So think about this. It's the reason why Paul said that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, <coughs> verse 12. If you know what I'm talking about. When it refers to the ministry, the ministry is always put in the sense of the male gender. Does anybody even want to dare to guess why? Males are the only ones that are supposed to minister. Well, no, no, yes, yes, yes. That's right. But what, what, what's the reason why? Is it because the woman was created for the man? Mm -hmm. 
When we think of procreation, what do we think of? You need male and female. Okay? Male, a woman cannot conceive unless she conceives or receives seed. So where does seed come from? The male. So the church is the bride of Christ, represented as a female. The ministry, as far as procreation in the church, you cannot procreate unless you have both male and female. That's why the male is, the ministry is always represented as the male, because Peter said this, we are born again of uncorruptible seed. Where did the uncorruptible seed come from? If any man minister, let him minister according to the ability that God gives him. Let him speak as an oracle. So when the ministry speaks, guess what? The word, the seed, God's word is amen, planted. Uh, I can go on and on about that. Just to prove my point about this. But you notice that. He says, and thou shalt make his his pans to receive his ashes and his shovels and his basins and his flesh hooks and his fire pans, all the vessels there thou, thou shalt make of brass. And thou shalt make for it a grate of network of brass. <clears throat> and upon the net shalt thou make four brazen rings in the four corners thereof. And thou shalt put it under the compass of the altar beneath that the net may be even to the midst of the altar. And thou shalt make staves for the altar, staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with brass. And the staves shall be put into the rings, and the staves shall be upon the two sides of the altar to bear it. Hollow with boards shalt thou make it, as it was showed, look what he says, as it was showed thee in the mount, so shall they make it. So obviously, it comes with specific instructions. Now here's, a, here's another beautiful thing about, and, and you'll understand this in a little while here, if we get that far, hopefully. Shittim wood. Shittim wood is the same thing as acacia. Some of your Bibles might have acacia, but shittim and acacia are the same wood. Here's the thing about shittim and acacia. Did you know this? Shittim wood is called, and acacia wood is called wood that is undefiled. Undefiled. Now, why would you suppose that that wood's undefiled? You're going to find out it's a type. It's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to find that out here as we go on, we get that far. It's a type. So it was undefiled. Of course, the Bible says about Jesus, he was without sin. And they say the true color or the true uh, nature of acacia or shittim wood is off-white. So it's almost a white color. That's something, isn't it? You can probably understand it. Anybody ever, uh, when when you work with wood, Wood's always a light color, isn't it? Yep. Pine and all that. You see the green in the wood when you work with wood. So you can get the idea how acacia or shittim wood was kind of light in its in the way it was its substance, its grain and everything. It was light, but undefiled wood. 
Wow. So there's a reason why he selected Shittimar, Acacia Wood. So we see this. So, and here's here's the thing. Why is this so important? We we read at the end of the passage there in verse number eight that Amen. He says he says thou shalt uh, how with boards shalt thou make it as it was showed thee in the mount. So shall they make it. So in other words, Moses was instructed to build it according to what it was revealed to, revealed to him on the mount when he when he was up there on Mount Sinai receiving. Of course, we know that. Amen. That he. He says this about everything else that pertains to the tabernacle. All the other articles and, and, and utensils and tools that they use, even the furniture, everything, even the, the whole structure of the tabernacle, the outer court and the, and the tent itself, everything was built according to the pattern that was showed to Moses on the mount. Do you all understand that? That's important. He said, make sure you build it according to that pattern. Don't deviate from it. It has to be built just exactly like I showed it to you. Of course, you read that in the scripture if you want to go there real quickly. In the book of Hebrews, here we, here we see in verse number 1 where he's talking about everything as, as far as the, the tabernacle and everything pertaining to the cap, tabernacle. He says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come. So everything that was there in the tabernacle, in the priesthood, everything that was there was a shadow of good things to come. In other words, that was a foreshadow. That was the, the type of what was going to come in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. And not, and he says, and not the very image of the things, but it pointed to that. And there you read in Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 5, you read, who served unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. So in other words, it has its connections it has its connections. The reason why it's done in that way, the reason why it's built in that way, the reason why you have to follow the, the process, the order, the ceremony, because it's a reflection of the heavenlies. In other words, in order to make, the whole reason was to connect us. What did I say? To connect us to the heavenly realm. Right, right. To have access with God. Is that, is that understandable? Amen. So that's why that's what's really important for us to, to realize this. Just kind of let it sink in. Realize that. So when we talk about the altar, as mentioned here, you can find this, and I'll give you the reference number in the, in the Hebrew. 4196. You can reference that. If you have a Hebrew concordance. 4196. You're going to find this. The word for altar is... And, and I hope I do it justice. Mizbiach. That's how they pronounce it. Mizbiach. M-I-Z-B-E-A-C-H. Okay, that E has a little, kind of like a roof sign over it. Biach. In other words, so you got to put that. It's almost like Lakota, you got to put that into it. Biach. Mizbiach. You know what that means? It means sacrifice. So we know this. The altar is a place of sacrifice. And it means to slaughter. So it's a place of sacrifice. And it's a place to slaughter. Of course, we, we, we've studied 
a little about the altar that we know what happened on it. The sacrifices were brought, they were slaughtered, and they were placed on the altar as a burnt offering, a burnt sacrifice. We know that. So everybody understands that. So that's, that's what, the, what the meaning of that word is. Mizbiach, a sacrifice, to sacrifice, to slaughter. Now, here's, here's another meaning that comes off of it. And the meaning is this. It's not just a place of sacrifice and a place of slaughter, <clears throat> but it also, it, the connotation is this. It's a place that you ascend. Okay? You ascend, all right, or you are lifted up. A place that you ascend and a place that you are lifted up. Pay attention to that because that's important. We're going to find that out why. Why that is. It's, it's, it's pretty, uh, like I said, about Hebrew language, acrostic language. It's got hidden meanings. Every word has, has hidden meanings in it. So you think about that when they were talking about the altar and, 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 and of course, you know, you know what, it, what it symbolized or what it meant and the meaning of it. So it's a place to sacrifice. It's a place uh, to slaughter. It's a place that you can ascend. Okay? So because you ascend, you're going to be high. You're going to be a little bit higher. It's a place that you're going to be lifted up. The sacrifice <clears throat> is going to be lifted up. Okay? So here, here's, a, here's a description now. Remember what I said about all, the, all the, the items outside of the tabernacle itself, outside of the Holy of Holies and the Holiest of All. Everything outside the, the, the tent, the brazen altar and the brazen labor, they were made of brass. Okay? We all agree with that? Have you read that? Brass. But everything inside, all the furniture inside, in the, t in the tabernacle, as you went into the holies of holies, then you went into the holiest law, all the, the, the things inside of the table, showbread, the altar of incense, the golden candlesticks, and then you got beyond, beyond the second veil, you got into the Ark of the Covenant, everything was overlaid with gold. So there, there's a significance, there's, there's a difference in why it was like that. So remember, remember what, what I stated that everything was outside was made of brass. It was brazen. It was made of brass. There's a reason why. Okay? Brass according to according to, to, to the custom, to the religious custom of mid-eastern tribes. Okay? We know this. This is something that they all believe, okay, in practice. And of course, in the Hebrew, brass when you, when you look up that word brass or brazen, it was made of brass. <clears throat> brass is generally seen in connection with evil. Okay, pay attention now. You're probably going, hmm, what, what? Okay, pay attention. Evil, either evil men or judgment upon sin. Okay? It is the symbol of strength and judgment against sin. So there's a reason why they were made, the altar and the labor were made of brass. Why is it? Because God used that process of the altar and the labor as judgment against sin. 
how to deal with sin. We still have to deal with sin huh? in our lives. Why? Because if, we if we we're not careful, if we don't discipline ourselves, this is going to get its way and you're going to go your, as he said, all we like sheep have gone astray. So, brass is represented as judgment of sin. Okay? Here's, here's one thing now, now. Now, when we talk about the altar of incense and when we talk about this, this process that we're talking about, when you enter into the tabernacle, you're entering into the presence of God, so you've got to follow the process. And as you follow the process, you're going to progress. Yes. You're going to progress from one place to another. And obviously, one faith to another faith. From faith to faith, we all are going to progress. So because of the process, we are going to progress. Now, I want you to understand something. Even the in the altar alone, when you understand what it is to really know the purpose of the altar and why that... You know, in the scripture, why the altar was used, okay? Even in the purpose of the altar, listen to this. Even in the purpose and use of the altar, there's always revelation that a person receives as a result of using the altar. So when you use the altar, guess what's going to happen? You're going to experience revelation. You're going to be given insight. Everybody knows that, don't we? When we come to that altar of repentance, what happens? God opens up to us understanding. We're, we're able to come to that place of acquiring knowledge. Spiritual knowledge. And it's a place that God begins to, amen, impart revelation to us. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, amen. 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 Remember I said it was a process. And that process was progressive as it went along. Well, let's, let's, let's look at some... Examples in the Old Testament, there is progressive re revelation. There is a progressive revelation of the altar in the Old Testament. So when you study that, when you study the altar, and I'm not just talking about the brazen altar because it actually came to a point where where all the altars that were used before the brazen altar, okay. So there's a progressive revelation of the use of the altar or altars. Now here, listen to this. When you study the, the Old Testament, now go back into the book of Genesis. Give you an idea. Everybody has read this story. Even from the beginning. Every man of faith were men of sacrifice. And so because they were men of sacrifice, they knew what an altar was. So in other words, everybody needs an altar of their own. You need an altar. I need an altar. Huh? We have to have an altar. As, as Brother Bear said a long time ago, Brother Robert Bear, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Brother Bear, but Brother Bear made this comment one time in the preaching. He said, he said Noah had an altar before he had a home. <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's right. Amen. It's true. It is. That is true. <clears throat> so when we go back to the study of the altar, let's let's go back. Let's just let's just go back here. Uh, go back with me to the book of Genesis, <clears throat> chapter uh, three. I always remember this, Brother Gerritsen, when he was teaching chapter three. 
and, and, and verse, we'll start with verse number 21. I'll let you get there. <clears throat> Brother Gerritsen always used, used to tell us this. He said, remember, when you read the scripture, sometimes, he said, we understand. We can see what's there in black and white. But he said, here's, here's, a, here's another skill you have to develop. <clears throat> he said, you need to read between the lines. <laughs> so in other words, sometimes there might be something missed that we might miss if we don't understand, if we don't read between the lines per se. And, and this is a good example of that, okay? Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, look what it says. It says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. So we see here that after they committed sin, sin came into the picture. So sin had to be dealt with. So the Lord dealt with Adam and Eve's sin. Remember when they were in innocence, they didn't understand that they were naked because they were in innocence. But after sin came, guess what? They looked at one another and they said they knew that they were naked and they were ashamed. You know why? Why is it that they seen their nakedness? Because innocence was their covering. And they didn't have their covering. Sin came and removed that covering. So as a result, they knew they were naked. They knew that they disobeyed because of the sin. They were naked and they knew that they were, their, their innocence was uncovered. So what did God do to take care of that sin of disobedience? An animal had to lose its life. Blood had to be shed. So what we're saying here is that there had to be an altar of sacrifice because the Bible says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. So in other words, the Lord enacted himself to cover Adam and Eve's sin. So there had to be a place of sacrifice. There had to be an altar of sacrifice. And here's a, here's a good picture. Here's a good type of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God did it himself. Because he made them coats of skin. So there implied was an altar there. That that sacrifice took place. That blood was shed. And they took the coats of those skins. You notice they say coats. A coat is something that covers your entire body. Coats of skin, so it covered their nakedness. So blood was shed so that their sin can be covered. Their nakedness can be covered. You notice that? And I don't mean to deviate from what I'm trying to teach you this morning, but people that walk in sin, they don't care. They're not ashamed. Why do you think you see all the, the world today in the way they are? I mean, they're not afraid of walking around half naked. They're not afraid of that. Immorality, no shame. Let, you can could, you could see it all if you want to. And they think there's nothing wrong with it. Praise God. Just a little interjection there on my part. <laughs> so we see that. 
and, and of course, we, we also know this from uh, go, go on to the next chapter in chapter four. Look what we see here. Here's, here. Here it is applied again, where we see uh, in verse number four, uh, uh, chapter four and verse number one. And Adam and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of the sh of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord from the fruit of the ground, of the fruit of the ground, and offering made unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. In other words, guess what? There had to be an altar there for Abel to be able to offer that sacrifice. What do you think was Cain's mistake? There was no shedding of blood. There was no shedding of blood. What he could have did, he 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 could have he could have made some kind of agreement with his brother. Abel and said, hey, I want, I want to offer up a sacrifice to the Lord and all I have is what I have as far as my, I'll put it this way, my crops are concerned. But I want to purchase a land from you so that I can be able to offer this sacrifice in the proper manner. Almost all things are by, what? The law purged by blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So obviously, the, the principle and concept of, of the altar was taught to Abel and to Cain because why would they take the you know the the step to why did he why would he do that? Offer it up in the manner he did. And it was acceptable. So obviously Adam said, Hey, son, if you're gonna present your sacrifice, you need to do it the proper way. You need yes. to have an altar. Right. There has to be an altar. So he shed the blood of that sacrifice. And God accepted him, but what did Cain do? Cain didn't. Cain didn't present blood. There was no altar. He just came and brought of his substance. Remember, why was it that the Lord did not receive Cain's uh, sacrifice? Why was it? Well, we know he didn't take the right necessary steps, but why was it? What is one of the reasons? Because the ground was cursed. So in order to, amen, to remove the curse, blood had to be shed. Okay? Is that understandable? Amen. So we read that, and that's why the Bible says that, you know, you read that there in Genesis, and you read it also in the book of uh, Hebrews. Uh, uh, let, me, let me read it here, uh, just to kind of give you an idea. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to... And verse number four, it says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, he offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. So we see that by faith, he did that. He offered it up. <coughs> Amen. It was something. It was amazing. Okay? So here's 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 another 
uh, reference to it, and, and we'll take time to go there. Here's another reference to an altar where we see in, in, in the book of Genesis chapter 8, if you want to go there, where it talks about Noah. And when he came, when the ark came to a rest, and the Lord commanded Noah to come out of the, the ark, bring all the living creatures that were brought to you and release them upon the earth. And then in verse number 20, it says, uh, in, it says this in verse number 20, it says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So here we see an, a, another example of what took place here after the flood. <clears throat> One of the first things Noah did when he when he when he came out of the the ark was to to uh, build an altar and to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. Burnt offerings. Here's here's a good question, all you Bible scholars. You notice he says burnt offerings? You notice he doesn't say sin offerings? Or he doesn't say trespass offerings? There's a difference. We studied that. There's a difference. A sin offering, a trespass offering. You offer it up when you sin. You offer it up when you trespass. But you notice he doesn't say that. He, he should have said he offered up sin offerings unto the Lord. But the reason why... He said, burnt offerings. Why is it? A burnt offering is when you bring, when you present a gift and you bring a gift to God. You remember what they were? Tithes. Huh? The first fruits. Offering. Thanksgiving. A peace offering. Those were the burnt offerings. They weren't the sin offerings. They weren't the trespass offerings. They were the burnt offerings. So why do you think that the Bible says when Noah came out of the ark, he offered burnt offerings. Is it because they were delivered? Because they were saved by water. Even now, baptism doth also now save us. Isn't that what Peter said? So Noah and his family, they obeyed God because they obeyed. They were saved by water. It was a type of water baptism. Yes, amen. Praise God. So that's why they offered their burnt offerings. Peace offerings, thanksgiving offerings. They weren't sin offerings. They weren't trespass offerings. Why? Because God saved them. Right. Beautiful, isn't it? Yes, amen. So, so, and then, then we see here, uh, you go to Gen Genesis chapter 12. We're, we're just going on because I want to obviously prove my point to you. And Genesis chapter 12, you see here with Abraham, where when the Lord makes a covenant with Abraham, and in verse number 7 in chapter 12 of Genesis, it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto thy seed, Will I give this land? And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. 
So, here we see here in this particular passage of Scripture, Abraham built this altar in connection with the covenant that God gave him. So because of this covenant, Abraham said, okay, I'm going to build an altar. That is so, I'll say it this way, that is so neat, so awesome. Because when you make a covenant with God, when God gives you a covenant, He makes an agreement with you, guess what we all, we all need to do? We need to build an altar. An altar is a connection of the covenant that God makes you. And then you see, of course, you see back there in Genesis 35, you go to the uh, chapter 35 and, and verse number 1, where you see that Jacob built an altar at the command of the Lord in Genesis 35, 1, says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee, when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Now here's the thing. Why, why is this so, so important? Because, remember, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, and that covenant was with Abraham and his descendants. But guess what happened? Just like what happens with any individual that turns their back on God. They ceased. They ceased living for him. So because they ceased living for him, guess what? No more sacrifices. No more altar. So when you study this, and you study what, what he was speaking to Jacob here, all he was saying to Jacob, Jacob, you need to renew the covenant I made with your father, Abraham. So you need to renew that covenant. So what do you need to do to renew that covenant? Build an altar. That was the commandment he gave to Jacob. To renew that covenant. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yes. So here we see this taking place. God permitted altars to be made to him. Pay attention. God permitted altars to be made to him. That's part of the relationship that God has between him and his people. So he permits the altars be made to him. But here's the thing about the altar. He always gives instructions as to the type of altar that can be made. This is the altar that I want. I'll give you a good example. Go with me to the book of 2 Kings uh, chapter 5. We're just giving the example of what I'm talking about. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 5. So when God commands us to build a certain altar, guess what we need to do? We need to build it. <laughs> uh, praise God. 2 Kings chapter 5. I need to get in the right book here. Amen. Hallelujah. How am I getting to that? Alright, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 17. He says, And Naaman said, Shall there not then, shall 
there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules, burden of earth, for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offerings nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord, unto the Lord God. So in other words, what is taking place here is that God didn't want to accept his sacrifice that he wanted to offer. And so he was told what had to be done. He didn't want to accept his way of sacrifice. In other words, burden of earth, an altar made of earth. Praise God. So, and a good another example is is here in, in the book of First Kings. If you go there, First Kings, eighteen. And verse number uh, 31 says this, it says, <clears throat> And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as wood would contain two measures of seed. So here we see Elijah made, amen, an altar made of stones. An altar made of stones. So obviously, God always provided instructions of how the altar was going to be built. We can't just build our altar any way that we please. It has to be built according to his instruction. And we read that here in, in our in our uh, beginning scripture verse, when he talks about the brazen altar, how it had to be built. How to be built precisely. Here's a beautiful thing. Remember what the altar was? And is? A place of slaughter? And a place that you can ascend? A place that you can be lifted up. It's beautiful because this is all a type. Remember, a type and shadow of the good things to come. We all need to build an altar, don't we? Amen. You see that in the reason why I say that. Uh, you go to go with me to to in the scripture. We're uh, in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, where he talks about uh, the instruction of, of uh, the altar. Exodus, chapter 20. And uh, look what he says here about that altar. He says this in, in 2026. Now, remember, remember what he instructed them to build there in, in Exodus 27, 1, as far as the, the instructions for the brazen altar. But look what the Lord spoke to Moses when he's concerned about the altar. So it, it kind of gives you an idea of the how that when you build an altar, you ascend. And so you read Exodus 20, verse number 26, and look what it says. 
It says, Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. So in other words, he said, And if thou that will make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone, for thou for if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. So it couldn't be made of stone that was obviously chiseled or hewn, shaped. It had to be made out of stones that were what? Natural stones that were untouched. And so when, when, he, when they built that altar, obviously there was a, a ramp that went up to the altar to make that ascent to, to put the sacrifice on the altar. So he says, I don't want you to build steps in an altar. Why? Because I don't want the priest to reveal his nakedness. So the altar had to have a easement or a ramp to where it went up gradually, but when it went up gradually, guess what? The priest was not uncovered. Y'all understand that? Yes. Pretty amazing. Here's the, here's the contrast. When you study about uh, when you study about uh, foreign gods, when they worship to foreign gods, and this is this is a concept. Whenever you study the history of the foreign gods, Moloch and all them, you study how they worship Baal, Baalim, when they worship them. Guess how guess how they ascended up to the altar? They built steps so that the priest could walk up. But guess what about the priest? About these false gods? They were always, amen, lewd in nature because they were always either uncovering their nakedness or naked. And so that's what the Lord didn't want that to happen. He said, hey, I don't want the nakedness of the priest to be uncovered. So I don't want you building steps on my altar. Your ascent has to be gradual. Your ascent has to be such as that you will not uncover your nakedness. So does everybody get that idea? Yes. Okay, here, here's a beautiful thing. Remember, the altar was a place of slaughter. So bloodshed, a sacrifice. It also means a place that was lifted up. A place that you ascended. Think about that. Think about that. Go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Verse number 14. Look what Jesus is talking about here. In, gospel, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse number 14. And Jesus said, no man hath ascended, I'm reading verse number 13, up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So what was he talking about? He was talking about his crucifixion. The Son of Man must be lifted up. Now think about that. Obviously the cross was a place of judgment. Was a place of death. 
that was that was the the procedure that the Roman soldiers used when they crucified people. They impaled them on the cross and they they stood that cross up. Well, Jesus obviously was impaled upon that cross and they lifted up from the earth. So the cross was obviously a place of bloodshed and sacrifice. So in essence, it was almost like the altar in the tabernacle and in the temple. Why? Because that was a symbol of bloodshed and sacrifice and death. Okay? Uh, same book of Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse number 31. And it says this, uh, in verse number 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, well, let me see. Oh, 8.28, excuse me. Looking at the wrong. 8.28, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. So when you have lifted up the Son of Man, in other words, he was talking about his crucifixion. When you lift me up, then you know that the Father spoke to me. John chapter 12, verse number 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever, and how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So here we see Jesus was speaking about his death, him being lifted up. So Calvary... The cross of Calvary was his altar. Man. He died on a wooden cross for judgment against sin. Here, here's a beautiful type. <laughs> Let's go there. I have a few minutes, so I need to hurry up. <coughs> Let's go back to the book of Genesis. Chapter 22. You probably all are familiar with this story. Story of Amen. Isaac. Abraham and Isaac. And and you read here in Genesis 22, if you go over to uh, chapter 6, uh, verse 6, excuse me, not chapter 6, verse 6, and you read this in Genesis 22, and Abraham, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. Do you see that? And laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham's father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb 
for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. So here, here what do we see in this story? Isaac was going to be offered up as a sacrifice because the Lord told Abraham, take your only son Isaac, go up to the place that I'm going to show you, and there offer him as a sacrifice. So what did Isaac, what did Abraham do? As we see here, the Bible says, he took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it upon Isaac's back. And he carried it up to that mountain, Mount Moriah. Guess what Jesus did? He carried his cross on his back and took it up to Golgotha. Ooh. He carried his altar. John chapter 19, the Gospel of John chapter 19. And verse, uh, verses uh, uh, 17, you read here, and it says, we'll back up to verse number 16, Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led, led him away, and he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side and Jesus in the midst. So here we see this beautiful type. A beautiful type. The wooden cross was his altar. And guess what? The wooden cross is our altar. Amen. Hmm? Amen. How many of you believe that? Amen. Matthew 16. <coughs> Matthew 16, verse number 24. Look what Jesus says. He says, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will deny, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Wow. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Then you read over there in Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how we deal with sin in our life. That was the purpose of the brazen altar. I hope you all received something this morning. Yes. Amen. Beautiful, isn't it? Amen. Just can't say enough about it. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for being here to worship with us. And we're going to.
Amen. Go ahead and close our service. Uh, any anybody willing to stick around and help? Well, I think they're gonna. I don't know what time they're gonna start selling. Noon. Noon. Okay. So if you want to come back and uh, I know they were delivering to the outside of the where the, uh, the facility over not the dome but next door. <coughs> uh, that was the only and of course around town too. But if anybody wants to help with that, you're sure welcome. So God bless you. Have a good rest of your day. Reading up one another in Jesus' name. Thank you.